With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, in today's episode, we're going to review free agency. We're going to talk about the offensive line. Tom McLevy's going to stop in for another McLevy minute. And today's top five is going to be the toughest Bengals of all time. I'd like to thank our sponsor, at Bengals Highlights on Instagram. Great Bengals Highlights, set to some really cool music. You guys definitely got to go check that out. All right, let's get into our first topic of today, which is going to be the free agent pickups. Again, I want to give props to the Bengals front office for picking up eight guys in free agency. Definitely a cool move. The fans are really appreciative, so thanks a lot for that, guys. All right, the first free agent we're going to review is DJ Reader. We got him from the Houston Texans. He's a defensive tackle. 85-5 and pro football focus, which is a really high rating. I'm not going to bore you with pro football focus numbers all day, but I thought that was worth noting. He was the seventh top-rated defensive tackle. Very strong against the run and a good pass rush, too. After we signed him, I went and checked out one of their games, and he was disruptive. He was plugging up the middle. He was getting some push-up field. So I'm excited if you put him next to Geno. You know, it'll increase Geno's production. It'll get another guy in that rotation that can stop the run. They're talking about moving him around all over on that line. I'm not sure if he's going to really move to the outside, but if he does, that, that can only be beneficial as well. So very good pickup, and I, I believe he is the best free agent pickup that we have gotten. And, of course, we're paying the price for it. It's a big salary. Next, I'm going to move to Josh Bynes, who I talked about a little bit last week. Again, he was a journeyman linebacker, ended back up on the Ravens this year, and put up really good numbers. When I analyzed his game, he's another guy who's really stout at stopping the run and not bad in coverage, at least based on that last half of last year. He kind of rejuvenated the middle of that Ravens defense. And what, what did they go, 14-2? and two? So he was a part of a successful program there. And you know what? I don't mind getting, getting a little intel on Baltimore. Because historically, let's be honest, guys, Baltimore and Pittsburgh, and even Cleveland, every year they seem to pick up some guy really, really late that we wave. And I always wondered if it was to get some intel on him. All right, right back at you, man. We're going to pick Bynes' mind, and hopefully he's going to get out there and kick some butt. So I'm really happy that we have him. We need linebackers. And he was, what what do they have him? They had him at 11th as a linebacker, so on pro football focus, if I may go there again, which is a pretty high grade. So based on what he did last year, I think he's going to really help us out this year, and we need all the help we can get at that position right now. We're going to move on to Von Bell. I saw on the bottom line on ESPN while I was watching something else, it was like, safety, Von Bell signs, and I'm like, uh uh-oh, all right, here we go, here we go, with the Bengals. And I actually, out loud, was like, yeah! When he was coming out a few years back from Ohio State, I wanted them to get him back then. Went to the Saints, had a decent career over there, obviously a very good career. The thing about him is, he's really strong at stopping the run, and he's a good blitzer, too. That's really going to eliminate a lot of those possession issues, time possession issues that we had last year, having a few guys in there that are going to stop the run. I think he's going to be reliable, and I'm glad that we have him there. We actually have three safeties now. When they first signed him, I wasn't sure if they were going to get rid of Sean Williams. 
the jury's still out on that. I guess they're going to let it see how it plays out. I'm not positive of Williams' salary this year. That'll probably play a factor. But I say keep all three. You know, keep all three. You have Brandon Wilson in there, and uh, we'll see what happens with that fifth position. But very happy to have him on board. I'm not trying to diss on his coverage skills. I'm sure he's going to be fine there. But I just want Bengal fans to be reasonable with their expectations and not think he's going to lock down every receiver that he covers. But in the run look out. Let's move on to the next one. Another member of the secondary, probably our second biggest signing, is Trey Waynes. Another guy really strong against the run. He's a tough corner out there. Again, 75 pro football focus against the run. If I, I'm going to throw a number out, which is high. Coverage, good. 64. So he's good in coverage. He's stronger against the run. Have some reasonable expectations, but he's going to be good. He's going to be an improvement over B.W. Webb. Uh, thank you for the service last year, B.W. You, really, you came in there and you did a good job. But he's going to be an improvement over what we had last year. He had better numbers than Dre. So let's let's roll with him. He's, he's a younger guy. I like to assume that his career is on the rise. In the footage that I saw, he, he didn't get burnt. So, I mean, if, if I can use a one-game sample, he was he was solid in there. And that's that's kind of what we need. And a lot of that is predicated, predicated on the pass rush. And I like Zimmer, guys. You know, you know that guy knows how to coach defense. And to get a guy that he drafted is good for us, which will bring me to the next player, Mackenzie Alexander. And I want to make a point about the two Viking guys that we did pick up. There is a, th- a thought, and I even had a conversation with Tom McLevy about this, that why didn't Zimmer re-sign these guys? Because when you think about the Bengals' history, when they have a diamond of a player, they don't let him get away raised a red flag on why both of these guys were available. But I did a little bit more research, and the Vikings are pretty cash-strapped. Now again, I guess you find a way to keep your top players if you are, but that did factor in. So I'm not going to say that Waynes or Alexander are damaged goods by any stretch. They're two guys that are great at stopping the run. They're tough. Actually, let me go to McKenzie. The game that I watched, he had a fumble recovery in it. He was stout in the slot, not getting torched. So again, be reasonable with the expectations. He's not going to be a total lockdown guy, but he's going to be very good in that slot position. An upgrade over what we had last year, and I'm looking forward to having him on the roster. From what I read on Hobson's page is that he didn't miss a tackle in the run game all of last year. Xavier Suofilo. He came from the Cowboys. He was in their rotation. He was pretty highly tatted when he was in there. He has higher grades than Redmond, Jordan, and Price. So I'm going to assume that he's an upgrade on that. I I know that he's pretty skilled at pulling in the run-blocking game. His pass protection rating was also very good last year. I think that he's going to be an improvement over what we have. So I'm looking forward to having him in there as another starter and another functional guard to throw into that rotation. Not sure if they're going to draft one as well. I think we're okay at that position right now. I think that he's going to solidify that. And again, he is higher rated at least than the three guys that we had last year. All right, that's going to move me to the next free agent. His name is LaShawn Sims, and we got him from the Titans. Another guy who's good against the run. We have a lot of corners. If we draft one, it's going to be a little tougher for him to make the roster. Special teams are probably where he's going to be contributing. But still, good to see another player signed from a good defense, a playoff defense. All right, let's move on to the last free agent, and it's Mike Thomas from the Rams. So when you look at the career stat line on Mike Thomas, he has 10 lifetime receptions, which, you know, on paper, you're wondering, why do we even sign this guy? But remember, he played under Coach Taylor with the Rams. So Coach Taylor must see something in this guy that he wants to bring him in. If you remember last year, we brought in Farrell Cooper late, who was another Zach Taylor guy, and uh, we waived him, ultimately, but... That burned us. I don't know if you guys remember, but he made a big catch in that Cardinals game, which pretty much sealed our fate. So it was kind of ironic. So to review the free agents that we have in a nutshell, DJ Reader, improvement over what we had. Josh Bynes, improvement over what we had. Von Bell, improvement over what we had. 
Trey Waynes, Mackenzie Alexander, improvements over what we had. Sua Filo, improvement over what we had. LaShawn Sims, Mike Thomas, let's see. Young guys haven't had that much of a chance to play. You never know what's going to happen. Obviously, they saw something to bring both of these guys in. All right, that's going to bring us to our next segment, which is called Roster Analysis. (laughs) Roster Analysis. All right, in today's roster analysis, we're going to go over the offensive line. So let's get down to business. I'm going to start with Trey Hopkins, who they just recently signed to an extension. Glad they did it. I love when those undrafted guys end up proving themselves, making the starting lineup, and then getting that second contract. He's been a good player. He's got long arms. He makes great calls at the line. If you look at the tape from last year, he might have been the best offensive lineman that we had last year, Uh, which is going to move me on to his backup, Billy Price. Kind of an unfortunate run for Billy. He hurt himself at the Combine. And why did he hurt himself? Because he was trying so hard to do so many reps. So his mind pushed his body just a little bit farther than his body was ready to go. Then he comes in, he hurts his foot, whole bunch of problems there. So I I truly feel the guy hasn't been healthy. In all fairness, he struggled so far in the NFL. Last year, his rating against the pass was 26. Without trying to be disrespectful, that's pretty abysmal. So those are things that need to be improved upon. I hope that with better health, those things are improved upon. Gotta say, I was a little mad at him for bouncing that snap the one year where Andy got hurt. Let's hope he's healthy this year. Let's hope that he contributes as a backup. All right, that's going to move me on to Michael Jordan. I like this kid. Granted, his numbers weren't phenomenal last year. He was a little bit vulnerable in the beginning. They took him out of the lineup. When he came back in, he did a lot better. He's young. What's he, 21 years old? And they moved up to get him in the draft, so they obviously see something in him. I think he's going to be a staple on on our offensive line for a while. I like his game. He's a big player, a big physical player at that position, and you can't have enough of those. Another guard, Alex Redman. I love Redman. Another undrafted guy. Tough and mean as hell. A total try-hard guy. He'll, he'll get into a fist fight on every play if you let him. He's got to cut down on the penalties. Because what's going on is that adrenaline's pumping in his brain. What I like to call that freak-out cylinder kicks in, and then all bets are off. So that's probably why he hasn't been totally disciplined and has had more than his share of penalties. But he's a masher in there. He, he throws people around. Again, a guy who's better run blocking than pass blocking. I could see him being a spot starter. I could see him being the three there. Again, I'm, I'm pulling for him. I, I, I like the guy. I want to see good things happen for him. All right, I'm going to move on to John Jerry. I'm not sure if they signed him to a two-year deal last year. I, I believe he's still under contract. He looked a little bit overwhelmed at times last year. But when they put him in at left tackle, he, for some reason, he was pretty solid. If he's still under contract, he might push for a roster spot just because of his versatility. If they draft a couple guys, then that probably won't bode well for him. Xavier Suofilo from the Cowboys, free agent. He had better numbers than the other three guys there. They're probably going to go with Jordan and Suofilo, and then Redmond can come in in a pinch. Price can come in if there's some injuries. So we have pretty good depth there with those four guys. And again, I'm pulling for him. Okay, on to the tackles. We're going to start with our right tackle, Bobby Hart, who gets a lot of heat from Bengal fans and from the media alike. You know, Hart's making a decent amount of money. If they draft a kid who's really good, then there could be some questions on what they're going to do with him. But he has been a fairly reliable starter, and the coaching staff is pretty high on him, a lot higher on him than the fans and the media are. All right, let's move over to the left tackle, which is the key to it all this year. Jonah Williams, high pick, Alabama tackle. He knows there's a lot riding on him this year. He's going to be protecting Burrow's blindside, and there's a lot of expectations. And again, I'm going to go back to let's temper our expectations a little bit. He's never played an NFL down. He's a little undersized. Short arms, they say. I'm tired of short arms, small hands, whatever. 
but we have to understand he's got to get adjusted to the game. There's no way he's going to come out game one and be Anthony Munoz. You guys got to understand that. I don't care where he was drafted. It's going to take a little bit of time for him to get adjusted to the NFL game. He's a, a smart guy and a student of the game and very focused, takes good care of himself. So I'm hoping that transition into the NFL is pretty smooth. But again, let's be patient with him. If he does become a good left tackle, we're going to be set at that position for a while. All right, so that brings us on to Fred Johnson. He played a couple games for us last year. Very highly rated in pass protection. I know he played left tackle. Definitely want to see him make the roster. Very big tackle as well. And, you know, we'll see what the future holds for him. It depends what they do in the draft, but I think he's going to make the roster. Then you have Duga and Prince, two guys who probably are going to get floated between the practice squad and the active roster, depending on what they draft. Uh, Duga's a 335-pound man, so I always like those big tackles like that as long as they can move. And that's probably the reason why they picked him up. We'll see what the future has in store for him. As far as Isaiah Prince, he did start two games for Miami, so you kind of like that, that he has some NFL experience and actually made his way into the starting lineup. So we'll see how it pans out for those two guys. They very well could be on the practice squad, depending on what we do. As far as the draft goes with offensive linemen, I'm hoping that they take a tackle that can push Hart a little bit or just add some depth there. But either way, the offensive line needs to improve over last year. Hopefully, Williams and Suofilo will be the keys to making that offensive line complete. We're going to move on to our next segment, which is called the McLeavy Minute. McLeavy Minute. All right. Welcome to the McLeavy Minute. We're here with Tom McLeavy. Tom, how are you today? Good, Frank. How you doing, pal? All right, man. So I wanted to ask you, what do you think about the draft this year? It's a no-brainer, Frank. Just take Burrow. Miami is going to supposedly come hard after the number one pick. They have a bunch of ammunition. Peter King just wrote recently that they should offer the three number ones and next year's number one to Cincinnati for Burrow. It's it's a no-brainer. Take Burrow. They have to just go with the basics. Thank goodness Tua is hurt. Can you imagine if Tua was healthy and you had to choose between Tua and Burrow for the number one pick? Duke Tobin and Mike Brown deciding over those two quarterbacks if if both of them were healthy. What are they going to do with the rest of the draft? See how it falls. Don't be desperate for an offensive lineman. Don't be desperate for a wide receiver. Play your board and whatever guys, how you have them rated, just go with the highest guy. If you have a guy rated 28 and he's sitting there at 33 and you have another guy at 29 and he's also sitting there at 33, that's when you can lean towards taking the need. But if you have a guy at 28 who's a running back and the next guy you have is rated lower at a position where you don't need, then you have to go play by the numbers. And if it's a running back, take Swift and then be done with uh, Geo. Play that way. That's why some of these mocks are so funny. We have the number one pick. That's a no-brainer. We're going to take Burrow. Everybody in America knows they're going to take Burrow other than people that just want to slide a name in there so they get talked about. It's it's ridiculous to think any other way. Second round, first pick, that's a different scenario. You can't decide who the uh, Kansas City Chiefs are going to take. So just play it by ear. That's where that's where our draft comes in the light. When that's what we are looking forward to, the second round first pick. How do you feeling about the other first round picks that we've had over the last few years? Uh, the last two 
picks uh, price two years ago where they wanted Ragno and Detroit right before them took him. And then they said, well, we need a lineman. Let's take Billy Price. Billy Price was hurt. He got hurt in the combine and they still took him. Last year, it's awful funny. They draft this guy, which I like. I, I like taking Alabama linemen because their practices going against each other. They're going against NFL quality players. So take Williams last year. I didn't mind it. What really surprised me out of the was he got he was hurt all of a sudden, and that just blew me for a loop. I, I never heard anything about him being hurt like Price was the previous year at the combine. I I just think he's the key to keep Burrow on his feet. You need Williams, and if he doesn't pan out if he put pans out like Billy Price this team is gonna be it's gonna be a long season for Burrow you got eight guys coming at you because they know they got Williams now on tape of what he can handle what he can't handle stunts it could be a long year for Burrow wow Tom excellent takes as always it's good talking to you man you too buddy talk to you soon all right thanks Tom Today's top five. All right, welcome to today's top five, and this is where we have a top five list, mostly for fun, to talk about some various things in Bengals history, maybe get you guys inspired to make up your own lists. So my five toughest Bengals of all time. At number five, six foot five, 257 pound linebacker who could run, James Francis. Another quiet guy that'll just knock you out and go right back to the huddle and not say a word and then lay someone out on the next play. Number four, toughest Bengal of all time, Takeo Spikes. Another hard-hitting linebacker that could run you down. His neck is the size of most people's waists, so definitely someone that I wouldn't want to meet up with in a dark alley. Number three, toughest Bengal of all time, and I know this may cause some debate, but I'm going to say Anthony Munoz. Obviously the best Bengal of all time, could shut down anybody that he faced, and he faced a lot of good ones in those years. The only reason why he's not the number one toughest is because he's too nice of a guy. He wasn't nice on the football field. He played with passion and would knock the crap out of you on the football field. Second toughest Bengal of all time. No question. Vontez Perfect. He put fear in a lot of people. I mean, he just laid out people. The Antonio Brown hit was a freaking life changer for Antonio Brown, let's be real. And I know he hit him high, which was what caused the penalty and the injury. But really what happened with that play was he diagnosed it so well that he was moving so perfectly and so quickly into the right spot. And it was just a head-on-head car crash. Again, I wish he would have hit him a little bit lower. But the viciousness of that hit was the fact that he was so knowledgeable about the game and was in the perfect place at the perfect time. With all that aside... He was an enforcer in there. It was nice to have a guy in there that other teams feared. We haven't had a ton of those over the last few years on defense, so I'm hoping that we can find another one like that. But in the meantime, number two on the list, Vontez. All right, that brings me to the toughest Bengal of all time. Come on, who is it? Former wrestler, defensive lineman, Tim Crumry. He anchored the middle of the defense for a long time. He would take on anybody. He would take on a pickup truck if you asked him to. We all remember the Super Bowl where he broke his leg horrifically. 
they had to drag him to the ambulance. He wasn't going to leave the game. He actually came back to play the next season after that horrific injury and went on to play six more years. A guy that even as a 60-year-old man would knock you out. That is the toughest Bengal of all time. I know he's even battling CTE now and battling it bravely, just like he's battled everything in his whole career. Krumrai, you are the toughest Bengal. All right, that's going to bring us to our next segment where I like to tell some stories about my personal experiences with the Bengals. Don't worry, I'm not going to bore you. I'm going to keep them interesting. This next segment is called Blast from the Past. Blast from the Past. It's story time. I'm going to take you guys back to October 22nd, 2000. And there was Frank LaPlaca, your host, in his living room in New Jersey, watching another Cincinnati Bengal game, his favorite thing to do in the world. They had just come off a three-win season and then a four-win season, so it had been some tough sledding recently. And then we started the 2000 season 0-6. So when you have six losses in October, it gets you down. You know, you waited the whole offseason for this to start, and there it is, October, and you're out of it. That's a tough feeling. I know that all of us have been through that. So here we are playing a pretty decent team, Denver Broncos. They had the second-best run defense in the league. And what happens that game? Corey Dillon starts getting some good runs. The yardage starts piling up. You start realizing, whoa, these guys are having a really hard time tackling him. And then he lit it up. 30 attempts for 278 yards, a new NFL record at the time. So my personal connection to that was, again, really, really into the Bengals, living and dying by every snap. Another season had started, and here it was, October, and we're done. Really frustrating. He had two long runs in that game. He had five runs of over 30 yards, but he had two specific long touchdowns in that game. The first one was a 65-yarder. The second one, which broke the record, was a 41-yarder. But the play for me that did it was the 65-yarder. It was just such a release of frustration. I actually cried a little bit. I'm I'm not going to be too proud to tell you guys that. When he was just ripping down that sideline and busting into the end zone, I wept. It was out of frustration. It was such a relief out of two crappy years back-to-back. And then this year starts, they fire Coslett. We're in limbo. We're 0-6. About to get our head bashed in again by the Broncos. And there's Dylan running down the sideline saying, hey, for this moment, we're the best in the league. And it was just a good feeling. It was, I needed it that year. It was like the only bright spot after really looking forward to the season. So when he busted that 65-yarder, I was all in. And then the game goes on, and then he gets the 41-yarder to break it. Actually, when he got the 65-yarder, you knew he was going to break the record. It was just a matter of time. I didn't know if it was going to be on the 40-yard run, but you could just feel that he was going to get that record. And when he had that 41-yarder and got the record, it was euphoria. And for one moment, in a crappy down season, we were the best of all time. Thank you, Corey. I really appreciate the memory there. I won't forget you. You're one of my all-time favorite Bengals. Another funny stat on that day, we only had two pass completions from Achilles Smith, and that was one of only three wins that he had in his career. And he got hurt and had to leave the game, which kind of sucks. He hurt his neck. But uh, Mitchell came in, Scott Mitchell, and he was the one who was handing off to Dylan for those big-time runs. So that's a game I'm never going to forget, and I want to thank you again, Corey, for making my Bengals history. All right, so that was our blast from the past for this episode. If you guys have any personal connection to that game, I would love to hear it. 
All right, we're going to move on to our next segment, which is called Listener's Forum. Listener's Forum. All right, welcome to today's Listener's Forum. This is where you guys get to decide what we talk about on this podcast. If you want to submit a question, you can email the unofficial Bengals podcast at gmail.com, or you can hit me up on Instagram or Twitter as well. So for today's question, I was asked to analyze the free agents that we signed that were our own. So I'm going to start with A.J. Green. He's done so much for this organization. He's going to the Hall of Fame. He's probably the second best player in our history behind Munoz. And it sucks that both sides got put in this position. Because of the injury history the last couple years, it was smart for Mr. Tobin and Mr. Brown to franchise tag him, unfortunately. You have to have a year to see if he's going to bounce back, which I believe that he is. He's going to get paid very well. I know the players hate getting that franchise tag because it doesn't bode well for the long for their long-term future in case they do get hurt. But although AJ is not happy about it, and I don't blame him, I think it was the best decision that they could have made at this point in time. So let's hope this. Let's hope that he comes out and he's the AJ Green that we know. Let's hope that Burrow makes him even better, and he makes Burrow better, because he's going to obviously help Burrow with his catch radius and all those superstar catches and the ability to get open and the ability to attract double teams so other guys are open. Let's hope that he just has that monster A.J. Green year that he deserves and that we want out of him. And then Mr. Brown is going to do the right thing. I know you're mad now, A.J., but let's just go out there and have a freaking great season, and that long-term deal is going to follow shortly after. The other free agents that they signed from internally on the roster are uh, McTire, Tory McTire, and Greg Maben, two other corners that have NFL experience, were with the club last year. They're going to just add to that corner mix. You know, bring it on, LaShawn Sims. Let's let everybody mix it up. Maybe they draft a corner late if there's no steals early. And now you got a pretty good room of young guys all battling for those backup positions. And able to learn from Jackson and Waynes. That's going to help all those guys. So we'll see who makes the squad. They incre- The NFL increased the practice squad eligibility, so these guys might still be eligible this year. I have to do my research on that. But either way, you got a bunch of young corners that can battle it out behind the starters and hopefully improve. On to the restricted free agents. Brandon Wilson, flat out, he was the MVP of our team last year until he got hurt. How freak is it that he actually hurt both hands? I was so surprised. I didn't realize that we had that on our roster and didn't realize it, but thank God that we realized it. He's going to be a force. If anyone on our team should have made the Pro Bowl last year, it was him. No offense to Geno, but Brandon Wilson had the best season of any Bengal last year. And I'm glad that we're bringing him back for the a price tag of about $2 million or so. On to Josh Tupo. He was rated 27th amongst defensive tackles last year. Geno was 17. We know that DJ Reader was number 7. But 27 is not bad. He's very stout against the run. He played. He had a good season last year. You know, screw pro football focus. I'm thinking about what my eyes tell me. And the year before last, he struggled. And I was like, I don't know about this guy. Last year, he had a good season, and it showed in those numbers. I'm glad they re-signed him. Again, you get these guys at a pretty decent salary, keep them under contract. He's a guy that's going to rotate into that run rotation, and he's really going to help out with Reader and Atkins. We want to give Atkins a little less snaps so he's more productive. I know you guys have heard that in other places. But he's the guy to, to fit into that mix. Alex Redman, I discussed him when we talked about the offensive line. Again, keep him around. It's a, it's a small price tag for a guy who plays with that much strength, anger, and passion. It makes it where you don't really need to chase a guard in this draft unless somebody really good falls. Seathan Carter, glad you got that first TD last year, man, on the first catch of your career. 
I like him. I wanted them to bring him back. He's been good on special teams. You know, you throw him in the mix at tight end. He's going to be the number three tight end. Not really known for catching passes, but he's got a, a spot on this roster. I know the coaching staff really likes him. All right, that'll do it for Listener's Forum. Again, reach out to me if you guys have any other topics that you want me to talk about in the future. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Before I leave, I wanted to give props to Geno Atkins for making the All-Decade Team. Very well-deserved. I've followed your entire career, and you have been a force, my friend. The one thing that I notice about Geno is when he plays a guard that he's never faced before, the first couple snaps of the game... He devastates that guard because people just don't realize how strong he actually is. Congrats, Gino. I hope the career continues. Keep chasing that Bengal sack record, and I'm going to be pulling for you every week as I have been. All right, for next episode, we're going to be talking about the draft in detail as far as our needs, my predictions on who we're going to draft. We're going to analyze the wide receiver core. Tom McLeavy is going to stop in for another McLeavy minute. And the top five for next week is going to be the best value picks in Cincinnati Bengals history. Again, I'd like to thank our sponsor, at Bengals Highlights on Instagram. And remember to support all the other Bengal accounts out there because they're all talking about our team. They're all supporting our team. Guys like Zim Huday, Bengals Talk, Bengals Captain. There's a lot of them out there. So props to you guys. Keep up the good work. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca. And I'm a Bengals fan for life. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast.